What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Frustrated Fan Podcast. Today, today's an NBA day. Um, the NBA has been a sport that I have followed, God, probably like going on like eight years now, something like that. And there's there's certain themes that I've always noticed with the NBA. Um, every year, there's a new storyline. Uh, always a narrative that's pushed every year, and it's fun to see that narrative kind of shift and change as the season goes along and you get to see what storylines kind of take the forefront going into the postseason and at the end of the season and which ones that kind of cooled down and and fell to the back burner um but uh i think i'm just going to start off with the narrative that's pushed every single year uh lebron james not the greatest player of all time lebron james can't get it done this year um and I hate that like I have to start with Lakers content, but it's LeBron. He is the league. You have to talk about him. Uh, the Lakers, Lakers are abysmal. They are, they are dog shit. Putting it kind of uh, kind of plainly, uh, three and seven in their last ten. AD can't stay healthy for more than two weeks. That's an exaggeration. He has, but he was brought to this team to win them a championship, and they did. They won the bubble, the Mickey Mouse ring, whatever you want to call it. Um, a Disney, LeBron, uh, Le, Le Mickey, what, whatever jokes you want to make about that. They did win the championship. They did win the ring. Uh, since then, awful. Uh, it has been the story of how does LeBron continue to have these teams that do not win. Le GM put together these teams, and apparently they aren't winning um we got another team this year that is just not winning uh biggest offseason acquisition being russell westbrook the experiment of bringing him in and doing and having an entire team based around the fact that there are no perimeter shooters um i know they got the young guy austin reeves you know malik monk can occasionally hit some big shots they brought in a bunch of veterans throughout the year to try and figure this team out and i don't even want to say when it's ad out because I don't even know what happens when AD's in. I, I don't even know what this team's chemistry is going to be like when he's back in. Because when he's in, the game plan is either everyone out, LeBron drive and kick to someone and shoot a, shoot a three. But that's how LeBron's always played. Or AD is down there in the post. We let him score once. Or we get on a run and we do some sort of designed lob for AD. And AD dunks over somebody. And surprise, surprise... When AD continues to dunk over someone, guess who gets hurt? Guess whose entire being is simply there to catch a lob pass or get a rebound or score under the basket and just get banged up over and over and over again? The same guy who has a proven track record of injuries. So we're going to continue to do the same thing with him. I'll give him credit. He's tried to expand his shot. He's tried to change his game numerous times over the last several years, and he's still a dominant player. But the mold is not working. Uh, whatever their idea of the team was, it's very clearly not going to be it. Uh, I think it was Shaq that came out publicly and said, if the Lakers are the bottom seed and the Suns and they play the Suns in the first round, the Lakers win. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to ask you to pump the brakes on that one, my friend. Uh, you did realize that the Suns played the Lakers last year in the playoffs. You did watch that same playoff series, and they did have Anthony Davis for some of that. Um, no, just simply no, Shaq. 
I don't know if it's ego or love for the Lakers that made you say that. I don't know if it's TV that made you say that, but no. Uh, realistically right now, got a total of five teams that I really could count on out of the West, and that's that's pretty much it. Uh, those five teams being the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Warriors, the Clippers, and the Nuggets. And that's, that's it. Everybody else I don't care about. Uh, it's not true. I do care about them, but they have no real shot at winning it. Uh, the Mavericks with Spencer Dinwiddie and... You know, Luka Doncic. I mean, come on, man. Uh, you trade Porzingis and he's a better player still. I don't know if we ever needed Luka to have a second person at this point. Because uh, for me, Spencer Dinwiddie, as clutch as he is, never felt like a number two. He always feel, he feels like a three or a four, kind of like a... Uh, if there's multiple options on the team, he's going to be more Draymond Green than Clay Thompson. He's going to be, you know, your tertiary guy that you want to build that team around but letting Luka just do his thing has proven you know paramount for this team 46 and 29 when it's just unreal how how big of a turnaround it feels like they've had last year fighting for a playoff spot this year very very much in the race uh fourth seed right now I mean they're going to be a mid-seed in the playoffs they're going to be perfectly fine going in but the problem is going to be their matchup you know whether they get matched up with the Jazz team or Nuggets team I really don't see them making it out of the first round, and if they do, they're going to get buzzsawed in the second round by somebody else. Um, but I don't, I don't hate them. I love them. I love what's happening. I love that Luke is making them relevant again. It's wonderful to see, uh, but I don't see it really coming to fruition too much. I think he needs more of a supporting cast. I think he needs better role players around him, and it's... I don't want to say it's not close, but Jalen Brunson, who for the most part had been kind of slept on, not even slept on, he hadn't really been a player in the league, it felt like, since he left Villanova. When he was there, absolute monster, lights-out shooter, but hasn't really done much in the NBA. And he kind of blossomed his career this year with Luka Doncic and with with the Mavs. So I'm excited to see next year with what he can do. Uh, I really think that he'll be a reliable piece as well. but a lot of these guys that they've got around are a lot of four and five guys. I don't mean position-wise, but you know, four points, five rebounds, or five points, four rebounds. It's it or four assists. You know, it, you're not breaking double digits with a lot of these guys. I feel like, and if you do, it's really low. You're looking at ten and five, ten and three, ten points a game, three re- three rebounds, three assists, maybe five rebounds, five assists. But you got your other guys that are in there just specifically to do those things. They still have Boban Marjanovic on the roster who is basically good for lobs and rebounds. Uh, but, you know, Dwight Powell's had a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent, I, I don't want to say season, but the way he's changed his game, Maxi Klebus changed his game. Uh, Tim Hardaway, I feel like he's kind of regressed a little bit, not quite the, not quite the same shooter that he's been, uh, at least the killer that we saw in New York, but he was always inconsistent. Um... Bertas also, I do think that what they're missing is just a key kick guy, you know, a reliable shooter. I mean, they have Reggie Bullock, but they just need, they need more. I just don't know how to say it better than that. They need more. I don't know what more of because there's so many things they need more of, but 
in this league that we're in now where everybody's shooting the three ball, everybody has to do everything. You have to rebound, you have to you have to run the floor, you have to play defense, you have to shoot the three. Watching guys try to reinvent themselves and try to be these people, um, it works for some teams and it works for other it doesn't work for others. So my main point with that is is a guy like Bismack Biombo was brought to the Suns made an immediate impact on defense and rebounding but that's always been known for his entire career so the reason it works on the suns and why something like that is missing from a team like the mavs or what other teams could benefit or even if he would be kind of a liability on other teams like if you put bismack biombo on the lakers i think that's an l i think that's an absolute miss that does not help you whatsoever but what helps with the suns is that they already have all these different players that can shoot anywhere, make shots anywhere, pass the ball. All he has to do is those things he, he excels at. They've tried to do this with uh, Tristan Thompson for years. You know, He was a lob guy. You rebound. You play defense. That's all you had to do. And for those few years in Cleveland, it really worked, and it really excelled with what LeBron had, had around him. But the problem was he also had shooters everywhere. That's why Phoenix is so successful is because everyone on their roster, it feels like, can shoot the three ball. Their spacing in every game is perfect. They always pass the ball, make the extra pass, and they all move. They know how to rotate and get open. And it feels like a lot of that, a lot of that is kind of stuck with the other teams. You get a lot of stagnant movement. You get a lot of stagnant players. You get a lot of... I don't, I don't know the best way to describe that other than stagnant. Like, when you watch the Suns play basketball, you watch the Memphis Grizzlies play basketball, it's like poetry out there, man. They're in sync. They're flowing. They're constantly moving the ball around, finding the best shot. Everybody's locked in, and it's just it's great for the product. And it makes sense why they're the two best teams in the West. Uh, but And it makes sense why there's such a gap between them and the Mavs. I mean, they're... 15 games behind him and that's pretty much the ceiling of the talent that we're looking at here in the playoff race and i think that you'll see a lot of that kind of you know dissipate i think you'll see a lot of like oh, okay the mavs won two in this series could they win the series depending on the opponent maybe uh, if they're against the jazz the timberwolves i think they've got it i mean obviously if they play the pelicans or the lakers i think they could still beat them pretty easily but if they run into a team like the Nuggets, who, for the most part, should be a better seed than what they are, and they're still dealing with the fact that they don't have Jamal Murray, that team is loaded. Loaded with talent everywhere. And Michael Porter Jr., I should say. But they are absolutely loaded. And they have the reigning MVP. The, the fact that they're only a six seed is scary. <laughs> like, these guys, you don't want them in the first round. You can get upset easily by these guys, but it's it's sad every single year that this narrative is you know you push the new team you push that all right they're making the playoffs they're the new face you know you're making waves and then you're going to get shut down every time there's always a veteran team that always comes in and cracks you over the head and that's all you got and we saw that last year with the clippers i mean the clippers gave have given people hell for how many years now they're just full of veteran guys that know how to play the game and they don't even have their two best players Paul George reportedly could be coming back soon. Uh, don't know about Kawhi. He's probably still looking at maybe a playoff return at this point. But 
they've been playing excellent basketball without their best guys. They're 36 and 39, but they're in every game. Uh, they've lost five in a row. They're two and eight in their last ten. But they're just they just hang around. They know how to grind out wins and they know how to grind out games. And for the most part, they're fun to root for. Uh, don't get me wrong. Teams typically that have this kind of grind out mentality, I kind of shy away from. I like a lot of the, you know, the flash, you know, the dunks everywhere, the blowing people out, the windmills, the 30, 40 point games. But this is just a bunch of dudes out there playing as one, giving it to people night in, night out, playing as a team. And they spread the love. One guy will go off for 20 or 30 or a couple guys, and it's never the same guy. It's never just Marcus Morris. I think it's Marcus Morris on the on the Clippers. It's never just Reggie Bullock. It's never uh, Luke Kennard. It, it, it's always multiple people, and they all play for each other, and it's really fun to watch. Um, also, an, a storyline I want to touch on here. Uh, the resurgence of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Well done, boys. You made it out of mediocrity. You finally figured out how to make this team work, how to make all these number one draft picks and all this really high-valued, I guess, stock at this point finally cultivate and come together. Uh, they're sitting at the seven seed right now, and they're God, they're way ahead of the Clippers. They're seven games ahead of the Clippers uh, at the seventh spot. Good for Minnesota. Good for Cat. Uh, the revenge tour after COVID kind of just ruining his family. Lot, Not a lot of sympathy for Carl Anthony Towns these last couple of years. I mean which sucks he's lost his family to a virus that most people thought was fake or was a political opinion to believe in it had real lasting effects on this guy and the implications and i'm just glad that he can go out there and do his thing and show off i'm glad that his career wasn't ruined his mental wasn't ruined and he can still do what he loves every single day they're just fun they're it's just fun to root for these guys too you know uh anthony edwards He's been one of my favorite players as he's been getting more and more attention. I just love dudes that can dunk the ball uh, and know how to play the game. Anthony Edwards has been, I guess, a spark plug, a spark plug for them wouldn't even be the right. Just a, a shot of adrenaline would be more of, a, more of a, a better comparison. He's completely revitalized this team. He, you know, Cat finally has some sort of drive in order to want to win games. Uh Anthony Edwards has really kind of drawn them together, even with D'Angelo Russell, too. I mean, they had Jimmy Butler there beating them with the second unit, and it didn't it didn't matter. So I don't know if it's uh, getting rid of the tough love approach and kind of being more like uh, being more of a friend that really has made a big difference to them, but uh, it's just wonderful to see. Uh, going down the list here, I haven't talked about the Warriors or the Grizzlies much yet, but uh, I want to talk about the Pelicans for a second. Train for CJ McCollum, and still not totally sure what Zion's gonna do for this next. God, at this point, season. He shared the video on his Instagram with him doing a windmill. You know, he can still dunk. He's still getting it together, but there is constant talk and constant speculation about Zion Williamson, whether he's gonna play for the Pelicans ever again, whether he's ever gonna play again, whether he's put on 30, 40 pounds, and he's you know done nothing but eat since he's got to New Orleans. I think we'd need to let him go. Not necessarily from the team, but just take it easy on the guy. He hasn't had a chance to really even do his thing when it's just constantly people talking about when he's playing, how's he's playing, what's his weight, what's he doing, how is he, why is he not on the floor. It happens, man. 
Uh, I know for guys to miss multiple seasons, uh, it's it's a big question mark. But look at Joel Embiid. Look at Ben Simmons. Look at honestly, I, as much as I hate to point him out too, Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz almost <laughs> like revitalized his career this last year if he didn't tear his ACL. Uh, but he was on the comeback train. He was doing great things in Orlando. Way better than anything he ever did in Philly. But the talk about his jump shot and the talk about him from the moment he was drafted to when he played his first game it just destroyed his mental. You got to leave these guys alone. I know there's speculation and we're always going to question with everything we do. And a lot of it, you know, these players are encouraged year after year after year to block out the noise, to block out the haters. Don't get on the Twitter. Don't listen to anything on social media. It's hard when you've grown up in it. You know, I constantly have to look at my phone. Not maybe maybe have to. It's not like somebody has a gun to my head, but I always have the urge. You know, I've always got it with me. I'm checking ESPN alerts. I'm checking what my friends are doing. I'm responding to a text. I'm resp- responding to a Snapchat. The way that we live life and the way that it's kind of preached at these players are two completely different things. Zion's not going to go home every single day, never touch his phone. What's he going to do, read all day? No, he's not. We're the same age. If not, he's younger than me. I'm 24. What do I do when I come home? I like to drink. I like to party. I like to hang out with my friends. I like to watch TikTok. All right? Why Why should he have to be deprived of any of that just because he plays basketball? Let the man live. Let him have his fucking life. Jesus. All right, I'm off my soapbox with the Pelicans. Uh, but... They got to figure it out. They've got to figure out this whole scenario, and they really can't chase him off. You know, this is your golden boy. You lost Anthony Davis. Don't chase him off. Don't ruin this relationship. Find a way to make it work. Support him. Be there for him. Don't let him read all this shit online and be like, "All right, well, I need to get out of here. I'm gonna waste my entire career." I think the CJ McCollum move was a good look. I think it's a good way to keep good faith with Zion and be like, "Look." We're willing to trade for players to make us more competitive so that you can try to win here. We don't want to we don't want to have a repeat of Anthony Davis. We don't want you to leave just simply because you think we're going to waste your time. We're not Detroit. We don't do that. But good to see that. Good to see that from them. Uh the Jazz sad. Sad times. It's more like the Blues right now, man. Uh they're still doing great. 45 and 30 they still win games but they're going to be one of these teams that i would not be surprised a to be a first round exit by a team that had no business beating them or b being a team that completely crumbles in like a game seven or even up in a series like you start up 2-0 on a guy whoever it be like a mavericks like a nuggets even man as much as i hate to say it like if they get matched up with the clippers i could very well see them losing uh it just feels like There's constant excuses every single year for the Jazz, and I'm a Donovan Mitchell fan. I will never hate on him, but it just feels like the team comes up short no matter what he does. They've had, you know, Mike Conley. They've had, they moved on from Joey Ingles, which was kind of sad. He kind of felt like their reliable three-point shooter, but Bogdanovich needs his minutes too, and he's a better scorer in my opinion. And he's not, I don't think he's as much of a liability on defense, but I don't think it's enough. I don't think it's enough to get through any of these teams because I feel like every other team is just so much deeper than them. And if it's not even, it's not even at a base talent point. 
it just feels like when you match up the X's and O's with the Jazz, you've got three things you got to worry about. you got to worry about Donovan Mitchell, number one. He is what drives them. He's what's going to make them go. If you can stop Donovan Mitchell and you play the rest of that team, you got to like your matchups just about everywhere but center. Uh, Rudy Gobert can take away the paint, but he really doesn't score. He's going to be a lot of lobs, a lot of defense, a lot of low post work. If you can space the floor with a team that plays small ball, Rudy Gobert is kind of neutralized, and that's where you've seen their their kind of struggles lately. You know, the last four, they've lost. And it just seems like what they've got is not necessarily a winning formula. And I don't want them to blow it up because it's still such a good team and there's still many so many good things around it. But I think the answer has been over the last year or so, you could probably afford to move on from Gobert. Um, I don't know what you would do, but I would definitely try to make this team more centered around Donovan Mitchell, more centered around the fact that we could space the floor to where I have all these lanes to cut, all these guys who can shoot, and kind of play the way that the Suns have been playing, where it's or even just use Gobert like they've used Aiton. You know, if Gobert could find some sort of extension to his game, I think it would change this team dramatically. Um, but I've talked about the Suns enough to just to just not go out and say, all right, this is the best team in the league right now. They've got the best record. They fought through everything. Everybody sleeps on them. I don't get it. We're just so jaded with it. Give the Suns their flowers. Understand they were in the finals. Like, like did anybody watch the finals last year and realize that this game, that this finals was really just Giannis versus the world? Like, I understand Milton got his 20 and 30s, but he hung up 50 on him. He had a 50-piece in the last game. He did everything he could to try and win that game. And the Suns are doing all of what they're doing right now without Chris Paul. While the Bucks are sitting at fourth in the East, and it's a freaking slugfest for the number one seed, the Suns have completely dominated the West, tore them apart. Like, I don't... Like even it doesn't matter if they're home or away, they just win. Thirty-one and eight at home, thirty and six away. They're nine and one in their last ten. One eight in a row. Nobody wants them. Nobody wants a piece of them. I watched Cam Johnson's career game. Like even their backup guys, their role player guys, the way that they've been able to to cultivate the talent. You know, Cam Johnson last year, half the time I'd be like, you know, why the hell is he on the floor? This year you can't get him off the floor. They find ways to bring out the good or the best in everybody, and I think that's really on the coaching staff and the culture that they've built there. Everybody wants to win there. It, it's no selfish ball in Phoenix. Everybody plays for each other, and that's another reason why I think the Grizzlies have been so successful. I mean, even without Ja Morant, they were like, what, 17-2 and two or something without Ja this year? It just seems like the selfish age of I'm going to get mine is kind of gone from the NBA. There's, there's no more, it's my team, I need my 30 a game. It's, I don't care who's scoring every night. Somebody's going to win us this game. We're going to play for each other. And if, you know, Book got to take 35 to get it done or you got to take 49 to get it done, feed him. No ego about it. No problem sharing the ball. It's just good basketball. I really think that, I hate to say it, but I feel like the brand and the NBA as a whole is slept on. Because everybody says, oh, nobody plays any defense. Nobody plays, uh, nobody shares the ball. I just like the way in college ball how they play actual defense. Do you look? 
How do you how are you going to guard these people just because they're not running up the court or running stagnant ass sets where you have to have four or five screens just to get one guy open for one shot? This is the best that basketball has ever looked. People constantly share the ball. They constantly pass. They play for each other. If you don't like the Suns, you don't like basketball. If you don't like the Grizzlies, you don't like basketball. It's it's that simple. Guys with no name, guys that are coming in fresh every single game are giving it their all every single night. Come on. Look at look at what they've got here. You just want to hate on LeBron. You just want to sit there and say that he's not Jordan. When the league is so much more than that. It's beautiful. I have to say it though. I have to say Phoenix Suns are probably my favorite to win it all this year. Phoenix Suns are still hungry. They didn't have a hangover afterward like the Miami Heat did in the bubble. They've got it figured out, and they're hungrier than last year. They want it bad. They want it so bad. They were right there last year. They want it this year. I think teams like that can get tripped up, though, if they don't take other teams seriously. And I think that's where Shaq was coming from with if they get the Lakers in the first round, he wants the Lakers. He'd pick the Lakers. L.A., LA is a team that you can overlook, definitely. But you still have to give your all to LeBron every single night. Because they're undefeated when he scores 50. I know that that's a pretty hard feat to do, but I don't know. The way the man has been scoring, 37 years old, doesn't seem to stop. You can't count him out. Um, But I think I'm going to touch on these last two teams and then switch over to the East. Uh, The Grizzlies... Like I said before, it's just fun basketball. I would have never thought they'd turn around this fast. John Moran has been a blessing to the city of Memphis and this team. Desmond Bain has been a reliable shooter in his stead. The team just find ways to win. Uh, got great energy, good culture in Memphis. Everybody's on the same page. Everything I just said for the Suns, the same thing can be said about the Grizzlies. Yeah, everybody's got their back. Nobody's being selfish. It's just beautiful. They're a beautiful team to watch, and I really hope that they can make their way past the second round. I think that's where I've got them capped out. It's about as ceiling as the second round. I really hope they can get their way to the conference finals or even the NBA finals. God, if they won the finals this next year, that'd be incredible. Just absolutely incredible. But I don't think they will. I think they're still a bit too young. I think they're on the cusp of it. They might just need a little bit more veteran presence, and I think that they can get it done, and they can find ways to be, to win these big games. And, and really, you know, they blew out the Warriors by 30 last night. Like, it wasn't even close. And as a good segue to talk about the next team I want to talk to, sitting at third are the Warriors. All right, Steph's not playing, and it's very clear every single year that we have the Warriors. Steph is the engine that drives this Warriors team, all right? With Steph, they immediately go from deep playoff team to they could win the finals, honestly, in a sweep with some people with how this team is stacked up. With Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson's back from injury. Now, he's not entirely the same Clay yet, but he'll get there. Draymond Green has looked awful, but he's coming back from injury as well. But Jordan Poole is lights out. He's a reliable six-man or even even starter for him at this point. Uh, he's a great complement to the whole team been shooting i think 25 plus points a game in the last like eight games or something uh he's been lighting it up he's been a monster i don't i just don't understand how people can write off the warriors i mean at the start of the season when i talked about storylines the first thing we heard was the warriors are back uh curry's gonna win mvp and then he does the same thing like he does every year he hits some sort of shooting slump 
kind of cools down, starts to heat back up, gets an ankle injury or gets a leg injury or just a foot or a hand or something. Something injures Steph Curry and he's out for a minute and the Warriors have to find ways to win without him. And for the most part, they've done that. They've lost their last three, but they're four and six in their last 10. Uh, they really, really struggle being away from home. Uh, flat even at 19 and 19, but when they're home, they're 20, 29 and nine. That atmosphere, you know, Mike Breen yelling bang. As long as they're home, I think they're going to be a big problem. And it doesn't matter at this point if they can lock up a playoff spot. Uh, they will. They will lock up a playoff spot. And they haven't clinched anything yet. But if they can stay at the third seed, get those home games, and I think it'll be quick work and possibly into the conference finals, maybe even the finals if Steph Curry comes back and he's pretty consistent. Um, but right now my pick's out of the West. I'm sticking with, sticking with the Suns. And then... As much as I'd like the Grizzlies to be to the conference finals, I think it's going to be the Warriors. I think we're looking at the Suns, Warriors, and I think the Suns are coming out on top. Uh, now I'm going to move over to the East. I think uh, I think this has probably been one of the best years in the East since LeBron's left. Uh, and it's been this way since he's left. It's been hyper-competitive, and everybody's scrapping for that top spot. Uh, and it's honestly it's really cool to see i hate that this is what it took you know lebron went to the west and everybody went to the east but why the fuck would you want to play lebron every year every like why would you want to have to go through him to get to the finals every year fuck that man i'm taking the other way because uh, he's gonna stack his teams he's gonna have he's gonna have help he's always gonna give you his a game too fuck that uh, i'm going to the east <laughs> it doesn't matter to me i'm not trying to do it the hard way uh but uh, to, to just kind of touch on the storylines in the East here, uh, teams we thought were dead in the water and had no chance whatsoever. Cleveland Cavaliers and Toronto Raptors. Uh, thought y'all were completely dead on life support, maybe even six feet under, and just completely turned their franchises around. I know, you know, Toronto's coming back from, you know, they didn't really have a bad season last year. They didn't have a great one either. Uh, and they're, what, three years removed from the championship with Kawhi now? Uh, they're still competitive. They still give people business night in, night out. Pascal Siakam's finally starting to, I think, uh, come back to the player that he was. You know, a reliable 26 and 10 guy or 26 and 12. Um, able to stretch the floor. He's actually playing game that he needs to play. Uh, but having Fred Van Fleet, Gary Trent Jr. has been a massive part for this team, too. Uh, they're doing it really without. A, and Scotty Barnes too, honestly. What a what a draft. But they're really kind of winning games and it feels like with with grit, with attitude, and they're just missing one. They're just missing a one. That's all they are. They're missing the clear cut number one superstar. Just like the team that went to the went to the finals and won with Kawhi. I think if you have something like that, this Raptors team is right back. I don't know who would want to take that on but i feel like they're right there just right on the cusp of it and really could do something really could do something special but i don't think they're going to do much in this postseason i hate to say that i think that they're a first round exit as well as the cleveland cavaliers i think they're also a first round exit but the way that they've been turning around their entire organization and the look of the team and how they want to be portrayed is just a complete night and day you know cleveland's history without lebron is a dumpster fire it's 
the worst team in the league, number one picks left and right, and then the number one picks end up being busts or they leave. Finally starting to get it figured out, and it's just good to see. I'm happy to see it. Uh, I don't think they're going to go very far, but I wish them the best. I, I would love to see this Cleveland Cavaliers team prove me wrong and just continue to game on people. Uh, coming in at the 8 spot, Brooklyn Nets. The fact that they're in the 8 spot is just a testament to the fact that they've been playing with one hand the entire year. Kevin Durant has just had to play out of his mind. Uh, between him, Blake Griffin really hasn't done much for him since he's been back this year. Uh, Patty Mills has been up and down. He's looked good in some games, and he looked plain fucking awful in other games. Uh, but now with the mayor of New York uh, removing the COVID restrictions, Kyrie can play home games. I think in his first home game he had like 16 points or something, 11 rebounds. Not rebounds, sorry, assists. Um, but it's really just going to come down to if Kyrie wants to win, if Kyrie wants to play basketball. You know, I think that him winning this whole thing with the vaccines and uh, them being mandatory, but he can still sit, you know, with the team and sit sideline for home games in the Barclays Center, technically because he's a fan and not not playing. I don't know. It was a really messy gray area, and it was really ugly, and it was just a bad look. But I think that I think that it's going to be a big difference. I think that it's really going to push them from really looking like an 8 seed to looking more like a 2 or 3 at this point. I mean, we've got a couple weeks left in the season, but I don't think they'll climb much higher than probably 5th at this point just because the Heat, the 76ers, the Bucks, the Celtics are all monsters. Uh, it's going to be a great year of playoff basketball in the East. I can't wait for it. Going to be a lot of Game 7s this year. I don't see anybody folding out of that top five there. But the bottom five, I feel like, are going to fold pretty fast. Um, and I'm not including the Nets in that because the Nets, the Nets are not an eight seed. Uh, just to give you a little example of home versus away, having Kyrie Irving and not having Kyrie Irving. Home, they are 16 and 20. They are negative. They are under 500. They are not where they want to be. Away, 23 and 16. Immediately better. They're a completely different team, man. I, I, it sucks. It sucks that this is how they've had to do the entire year. That's why their seating is going to be like this. But man, it sucks. Um, but yeah, they'll they'll bump their way up probably into the top five here pretty shortly. I wouldn't see it any other way and if if i'm any of these top teams i don't want brooklyn i don't want to pull brooklyn in a first round matchup because it's going to be ugly it's going to be a slugfest and they honestly they probably will win yeah they got a lot of veteran guys that's all they are basically and then you got a few young guys i think there's two or three young guys that really contribute for them but it's all crafty veterans that save their a game for the excuse me for the playoffs must be getting bored talking about brooklyn time to move on uh, number one team, Miami Heat, after their outburst and kind of scuffle they had the other night. They went on a four-game losing streak, and then they're back in the win column, back in the front, back in the driver's seat for it. Uh, what the hell, man? Uh, this team is so up and down. Not to make a pun on the name, but they're hot and cold. Uh, but they find ways to win, and they're super deep, honestly. Shoot the three ball. Jimmy Butler's been shooting atrociously from three this year, but uh, Tyler Hero's found his game again. Duncan Robinson still shoots lights out. Bam Adebayo is just a gamer. He'll give you his all every single night. 
the addition of Kyle Lowry was honestly, I don't even want to say one of the most under radar, under the radar moves because I think that belongs to DeMar DeRozan even with his recent struggles. I think that it's probably one of the like least conventional. I think uh, he could have looked at multiple teams and been like, "Oh, I'm going to join you know the Lakers. I'm going to join the Bucks, the 76ers, you know, or just stay right there in Toronto." I think even still, they'd still be a deep playoff team. Uh, but Kyle Lowry's way that he's impacted this Heat team, I want to say goes above and beyond, but it just, it just plain worked. You know, it really took Jimmy having to always take the ball up, um, to setting the offense, to ISO ball, to making sure the plays were ran. You got a professional in there at running, at a not running back, Jesus, wrong sport at a point guard. And Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry needs his flowers, man. Kyle Lowry has been giving people the work for years on end just simply because LeBron was an asteroid that keep completely, you know, wiped out the dinosaurs every year. He got slept on, and man, has he helped this team. Uh, I think that this team is back on that championship mentality, back to where they can get to the finals again. Um, but it is just going to be an absolute slugfest out here. You got the Sixers right behind them at 46 and 28. The Heat are 48 and 28. The Bucks are 46 and 28. The Celtics are 47 and 29. And the Bulls are right behind them at 43 and 32. It is just going to come down to some some tough games. Uh, and we saw that, I think, last night the Celtics went to overtime. They Yeah, and they lost last night. But the 76ers with James Harden. I'm sad that the Nets experiment with James Harden didn't work. There was all kinds of speculation that him and Kyrie, you know, just didn't get along, didn't have a good relationship. Kyrie would dog Harden in practice every day and then give him give him what for after that. And if that's true, damn James, that sucks, man. <laughs> get get your dollars up, man. Uh but he's moved to Philly, makes them a title contender. Joel Embiid still playing at an MVP level. I don't know if he'll win it this year. I don't know who's going to win MVP this year. I really don't love the picks, but I, I think it's just because I've gone, I've gotten kind of jaded with who I want for MVP. Uh, this last year, uh, as always, I always try to push for LeBron just because I feel like he has to carry his team. Um, and there's a lot of time that we pick a different, like I said, storylines. There's a lot of time that we get jaded with the same guys over and over again, and we want something new and we want something fresh. We gotta have that have that new storyline every year. And there's been a lot of years that I feel like LeBron got cheated out of a a uh, MVP award, or even other players got cheated out of MVP awards. I think that one of the years that Steph Curry won, I think James Harden should have won it. I think that it was the year he had, I think, multiple sixty-point triple doubles. Um, I don't think it was Steph's unanimous year, but maybe the year before that. And then I would argue another time, I think there was a year that uh, LeBron won it, and I didn't think he deserved it at all, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. But it feels like we're stuck on the same three players now for about three years. It's going to be Giannis, it's going to be Jokic, and it's got to be Embiid. We've been talking about Embiid being in the MVP conversation what is it almost almost every year now um but he's still Embiid I think if you take Embiid off the Sixers 
they're still a great squad. They have Terrence Mann. Uh, wait, it, no, no, Terrence Mann's on the Clippers. My mistake. Um, gosh, what's his name? Oh, I can see his face. Anyway, you got James Harden. That's really all you needed. I mean, look at Houston. They did what they did with him, with just James Harden. He can put up 60 if he needs to. I don't know if he can now because I don't know how he does it, but he goes from looking like he put on 30 pounds to losing 30 pounds anytime he gets traded. But I don't know. Harden's ability to, I guess, fool me every year and fool maybe the collective with this idea that he can do that 60, 60 point thing any night always works on me uh he's james harden and i can never rule that out and there's definitely been times that you know he'll do his patented step back and he shoots and i'm like oh that's got to be in and a lot of times it just kind of rolls off the rim or you know it's never a bad miss but it always feels like it's close um but i gotta get off the sixers i think that they're a conference final team i don't think they're a finals team i think that if they get into the conference finals with a team like the bucks like the heat i don't think they make it out um, I'm rooting for a Sixers-Nets first-round matchup or second-round matchup, though, just because I want to see that bad blood go down. Uh, that would be wonderful to see as a matchup. But I don't think they've got enough in terms of cohesiveness and the way that Harden fits on this offense because it still feels like Joel's team. And as evident in Brooklyn, Harden it feels like doesn't do great playing number two or playing second fiddle. So it'll be very interesting to see how this team does in the postseason. I could be completely wrong. They could flip a switch and, you know, it'll work like magic. But we'll see. I, I have my my reservations on the 76ers. Um, now, back to the Milwaukee Bucks. What, what more do I need to say other than they're the, the, the Milwaukee Bucks? You got Giannis? Like, come on. This team is set, and it seems like every year they're the same team. They, I think just barring injuries, they have a realistic shot to win it every single year because of the team that they have, and they found a way to win finally last year. But as long as Giannis is healthy and as long as Giannis does what he does, the ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan would say. They, they could win... They could win every year. Um, I really don't see that slowing down or stopping now. 7-3 and three in their last 10. They just lost last night, but I don't think that's big, that's big of a deal. But, you know, 20-16 and 16 away, 26-12 and 12 at home. They're a top three seed. They realistically could lock in, you know, home court advantage. But <laughs> I just don't know where else to go with the Bucks. I'm not going to hop off the train until someone proves me wrong. Defending champs, relatively the same team. I mean, they're going to miss the occasional, you know, I don't want to say adrenaline shot moment, but they're going to miss some bench presence. But for the most part, they're the same team. Conference finals or even finals. Hell, they could win it. All right, number four, team I mentioned earlier. (coughs) Excuse me. Boston Celtics. Um, they finally found a way to make Jalen, uh, sorry, yeah, cough again. <coughs> oh my God. Jalen Brown and, uh, Jason Tatum work. They finally figured it out. Uh, I think that 
it is more so Jason Tatum than Jalen Brown that is really going to make the difference for this team and what's going to drive them. But they finally found a way to make it work. They're not going to fight over whose team it is. It's very clearly Jason uh, Jason Tatum's team, and Jalen Brown knows that. He's going to keep playing his role for it. But they just lost, uh, I think it's Grant Williams to a knee injury, which is a big deal for them. He's their rebounder. He plays great defense. Uh, he attacks the offensive boards. He's got great energy for him. And maybe a meniscus tear, maybe just a, a knee sprain. But Marcus Smart still playing his defense. Uh, their team, no one wants in the first round. These guys will grind you down to a paste. They will play their game. They'll beat you with defense, and then before you know it, Jason Tatum has 40 on you. The man can just get buckets, and it doesn't matter what you do. And then if he, some by somehow he's having a bad night, Jalen's right there to pick up the slack. Both these guys can give you 40 without hesitation. They're both relentless in their attack. It doesn't matter. I think that the biggest thing for them is just trying to stay cohesive, trying to keep ego out of the room and understanding who gets the ball late. I think that's the only thing that's going to hold them back. I think in the late game, you'll see if it comes down to it, this team will either succeed with playing team ball or they will fail with playing hero ball. They'll fight over who gets to make the big shot to bring the team back or they will completely ride the coattails and wave and just do anything they can to help the guy who is making those shots. And I think that that's the biggest thing for them going forward is finding that balance and finding a way to win as a team and not succumb to those habits of I'm Jalen Brown, I'm uh, Jason Tatum, it's my team, give me the ball late, I'm the one who's shooting, everybody else clear out, I'm going iso ball. So I think if they can get past that, I think there are conference finals, maybe even a finals team. I think the finals team is reaching a little bit, but I do think that they, if they continue to play that the way that they do and pick teams apart like they do, I think that they could. I don't think they can win it all this year, but I think that they're they're primed for a push at that point. Um, five spot, I don't want to call them pretenders. I really don't, just because I've loved the resurgence. and In January, they looked like contenders, and we went from... Uh, we went from saying, you know, this was a dumb move to this is probably one of the best moves in the league. Chicago Bulls, DeMar DeRozan's resurgence as a player was also kind of dampened this month. A uh, man was averaging, I think, like 35 in January, and he's dropped down, I think, 25 now. Um, bit of a skid here, four and six on their last 10. Um, they did just lose the other, actually, last night. Uh, but they're an interesting team. They don't play great on the road, uh, really thrive off that home atmosphere. They got Alex Caruso back, so that's big for him. Vucevic has also been playing, I think, how they need him to uh, in terms of you know being their defensive stalwart, locking down the paint, uh, get your rebounds, but still contribute offensively. But I think that this team is starting to, and, you know, they're kind of stumbling their way into the postseason. And I think that's where we'll see them kind of, uh, I don't know, what's the best way to put this? I guess fall or falter? 
I think that the Bulls will get through just about anybody in the second half of the bracket, you know, pertaining that it's not the Nets. If it's the Nets, I think that they're screwed, and I think that they're a first-round exit. But I think they can probably get through a Game 7 or a Game 6 with anybody else. Like if they drew the Raptors or the Cavs. Or the, I mean, even the Hornets could give them business. Um, just because I, I don't know what's happened. I don't know if DeMar is in, in the same mentality. But he went from being an MVP candidate to kind of falling off to where people expected him to be this year. And I hope they can get that back. I hope that he can bring back a lot of what you know drove this team and drove everybody thinking, oh, shit, the, the Bulls are for real. But they're like, what, 2-17 and 17 against the top seeds in the East? top three seeds or something like that they can't beat the big teams um and i think that i think that a lot of that is on the team that's built i mean if you look at the bulls from a standpoint of their best player demar Derozan, largely considered to be a two not position wise but you know a second a second tier guy he's not on the same level as a kevin durant as a Giannis, as a uh james harden as a Kyrie, as lebron I definitely wouldn't say, you know, he hasn't earned the talk of being a number one option in the way that he's played this year, but the way that he's struggled lately, you see a lot of that back. You see a lot of those Toronto years. You see a lot of, okay, this guy can just score. What else is he going to give me? And he's a better defender now than he was when he was in Toronto, but if you look at that, so you've got an almost one and a two as your main guy, so you're kind of reaching with him. And then who's your second guy? Is it Vucevic? Is it Caruso? If it's one of those two guys, you're reaching for your number two that is basically the skill level of a three or a four at that point. You don't want Caruso to be your second best player. You don't want Vucevic to be your second best player. Not to say that Vucevic hasn't been the best player on Orlando for I don't know how many damn years and you know been an all-NBA and uh, all-star center. But the way that the game has changed, you know, you don't need your center to be your number two guy. It was very clear that didn't work in uh, in Dallas, like I mentioned earlier. I mean, even to an extent with the Hawks and, uh, oh, goodness gracious, I can't remember his name, Collins. There's limitations to it. And it's always, and even LeBron and AD, there's limitations to it. But I think that, I think that this Bulls team has exceeded everyone's expectations they fought a lot more than i thought they would and i think that they could even get into the second round and it would take a borderline miracle at this point for them to push to the conference finals let alone the finals just because the other teams are so talented but i still feel like they're one piece away and you don't even have to add a one i think that the one piece that they're missing is just someone else to help demar i think if you look at a guy obviously you can't get him because he's under contract, but a guy like Chris Middleton, I think, would really thrive in an environment like that. I think that a lot of these guys that you can dish to, a lot of these guys that are used to playing number two, you bring in to play number two to DeMar, or even a guy who's played number three, you bring them in and, you know, but I feel like they just need that fourth person to really set this team off, and I think that's why Miami is so successful, is that last year and the year before, they had the three guys. They had Tyler Hero, they had Jimmy Butler, and they had Bam Adebayo. And 
if it wasn't for Tyler Hero's rookie year, I think Duncan Robinson sneaks into that other spot for him. But last year, they kind of crumbled and stumbled and didn't have as good a look. But the additions of P.J. Tucker, you got a veteran guy who knows his way in the finals, knows what he's going to do, changes the attitude of the team, and you bring in a guy like Kyle Lowry, who brings in that extra star power, brings in that extra punch, can get you through these games when you know Jimmy's stumbling or Bam stumbling or Tyler stumbling you still have him to rely on and I think that that's what the Bulls are missing they're missing that person that can help them when DeMar isn't on they need just they just need somebody to help them when DeMar is not on his A game and I think that that's really all that separates them from the 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 top four at that point but them being in the five spot is almost poetic for that exact reason because I would argue all the teams ahead of them have that second guy that they can depend on. You know, I just listed the Heat and all the guys they have, but Celtics, Jalen Brown, like I said, it's neck and neck. You know, it's a coin flip. Which one do you want to give you buckets tonight? The Bucks. You got Giannis. You got Middleton. But when does Giannis ever struggle? When can he not get it done? And even still, they added Drew Holiday, and he may take some dumb shots, but he can still he can still get it done. He can still be what they need him to be. Uh, 76ers, when is Embiid not on? And then you've got James Harden to worry about after that. And even still, they got a pretty good roster set around him. Um, I think that the the roster for them, like I forgot about a guy named Tobias Harris. Like Tyrese Maxey was the guy that I want to talk about earlier, and Matisse Thybul. But they added Paul Millsap. They added DeAndre Jordan. Danny Green is still on that team. It's a solid roster, but they have to play as a cohesive unit. Uh, Tyrese Maxey is probably probably their three guy. As much as I like Tobias Harris, if to, if Tyrese Maxey has a great game, I don't think that uh, there's a good way to stop them if, if Embiid and Harden is playing average. If Tobias Harris has a good game, you, you chalk it up like, yeah, Tobias Harris had a good game. I don't think that Tobias Harris having a good game separates them from winning like Tyrese Maxey does because of the energy that he brings and how he wins the game. Tobias Harris... A lot of rebounds, a lot of mid-range, a lot of three-pointers. It's just not It's just not the same energy, and it's not the same way that you can carry it. Uh, Matisse Thybul is another one, though. He can have a great game and really impact the team. Uh, veteran guy in Paul Millsap. He's been giving people buckets for years. So I think that the problem we run into with a lot of these teams is that. It's, it's, it's the guys underneath that really separate who's going to make it to the finals and who doesn't. Um, you know, they've been without Lonzo Ball, and I, I've kind of dogged on Zach Levine by not saying his name this whole time. Um, and I'm a big Zach Levine fan. I really am. But I, I need him to keep up the emergence that he had, uh, to keep up the same energy that it felt like, all right, here comes Zach Levine, you know. And he could very well do that. This team could very well get there without, I don't want to say without Zach Levine playing that way, but if he does not play that way, you don't have to blow this whole thing up. You know, Lonzo Ball comes back, you'll be okay. I think you just need that. You need your Matisse Thybul. You need your your Danny Green that's way back there on the bench. You need these veteran guys that kind of round it out. You know, you've got Javante Green, you've got Patrick Williams, you got Kobe White, Tristan Thompson somewhere on this. But after that, it's a lot of stock photos you see of these team on this team when you look them up. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. He's kind of a, a late-game rotation guy, but tell me who Matt Thomas is. Tell me who Troy Brown is. Uh, Tony Bradley, you know. 
this team is just missing that veteran presence and that dog that's going to drive them to the next spot. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, if Zach Levine could get hot, Zach Levine could could show all these things that I'm saying are missing. Um, but maybe he won't. I'm just not putting all my chips on the Chicago Bulls. Um, I'd say coming out of the East, we're looking at either a rematch of the finals with Bucks and Suns, uh, looking at Heat Suns, Battle of the Flames, um, Warriors Heat, much as I hate to say it. Uh, I don't think this have any... I don't want to rule them out, but I think their conference finals limited. I think that's where they're hard stuck. And if they do get to the finals, if it's the Warriors, they're done. I, I don't think that they can really do much there. But I'd say any of those top three. Brooklyn, as much as I want Brooklyn to to make this thing work, I think that I think that the window is fast closing. Like it, it's very much approaching uh, the end of it. I think that Brooklyn is stuck at probably conference final levels as much as i don't want to count out Kyrie, a healthy rested Kyrie and kevin durant i think that there's just not enough left on this team to help them if they get into a situation where they lose someone barring injury i think that the nets get through just about everybody but once you start playing teams like the heat or even the bucks i think that they're going to struggle um that would be my top three is probably Heat, Bucks, and then Nets out of the East. Uh, any of those three, I think, can make the finals. Um, 76ers, I'm leaving out. They'd be fourth on the list. They'd be the, the last team in if that was the case. And then Western Conference, it's it's Suns, Warriors, um, even Nuggets. Uh, and if the Clippers are healthy, I'd throw the Clippers in there. But I think they all need to come back before I even can say anything about the Clippers um but that's it for the uh first episode of the NBA back uh I think I'm going to do a little bit more in-depth analysis when we get to uh some finals final seating and what to expect going forward as well as um thoughts on teams that are pretty much done for with their season and how they can improve on next year a la your Thunder Rockets Kings, Trailblazers, because not even having Dame all year was pretty tra- uh, pretty problematic for him. And then your stinkers in the East being the Magic, Pistons, Pacers, Wizards. And at this point, even the Knicks are, are pretty sad, but I'm not ruling them out either yet. So I uh, didn't touch much on the Hawks either or the Hornets, but like I said, I'll, I'll try to cover the bottom half of the, the league in, in the next episode. But until then... You know, take care of yourself. We'll see you in the next. And uh, thanks for listening. See you.